time to ham up. Oh my god, I really try hard. Shut it down! Somehow it's the best. After the credits. A Yum Chunks podcast. Yum Chunks! Welcome, mutants, to episode 39 of After the Credits, the Yum Chunks podcast. I'm your intrepid host, Sean Davis, and with me tonight is Matt Chewy. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. And and that's it. It's just, <laughs> what happened? Where's everyone? I really got tired of this. I guess so. It took longer than I thought. I know. I, I'm surprised we lasted this long, This, this project has gone on. I mean, yeah, we're almost at episode 40, which means we'll be almost at episode 50. Amazing. We're basically have been doing this for 10 years is what's been going on. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'll just be Matt and I tonight and Matt, Matt and me, Matt and me tonight. Um, unfortunately, others couldn't be here, but that's okay. That just gives us more time for, to express our own thoughts. We don't need their ideas. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're talk, we'll talking a big we're talking a big game yeah, here. I know. <laughs> Let's see where we're at in like thirty. To well, if it fails, it's their fault. Oh yeah, excellent. And if it's amazing, it's obviously because it was us two. I love only uh, taking responsibility when it's good. <laughs> yes, perfect, excellent. All right, cool, cool. Um, and it'll be a we we don't have a lot to go around the fire tonight. It'll just be us entertaining each other with our chunk fire stories. So, what have you been up to recently? What have I up to? Uh, well, um, I've seen, like I mentioned a few episodes ago, I've been seeing a lot of plays. I've seen a few recently. I saw a, uh, I saw a production of Sweeney Todd at the uh, OB Playhouse. It's a very small venue in San Diego. Um, this is the third production of Sweeney Todd I've seen. I've seen the real big one at, at Moonlight, and then I saw kind of one on a medium-sized stage. So this is a very tiny theater, and I really liked... I, I think this show is better at the smaller... Uh, the production is because mm-hmm. um, it, it, the theater i mean we it helped that we were in the front row but the theater is real small and so the action is real close to you no matter where you're sitting pretty much um and then the fog feels just like when they use fog effects in the theater that size yeah. it just feels so much more dramatic kind of feels like you're watching a play instead of a haunted house um <laughs> so yeah that that play works really well in that kind of a setting so that was fun uh the theater i work at moonlight uh they just opened uh the producer's um, yeah. I, I'm still on uh, I'm still on medical leave, so I unfortunately yeah. didn't didn't get a chance to participate in the uh, the load in on this one. But I got to watch it, and I also very much enjoyed that. Um, it's I, I think our our Bialystok is a pretty spot on Nathan Lane. Um, That's cool. And then and the it, we got the Broadway sets and costumes again. So oh it, yeah 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 it's the whole all the bells and whistles. So uh, those are fun. Uh, you know. Seeing, seeing, just taking this opportunity to see lots and lots of theater since I can't work in theater at the moment. Um, uh, what is this the first or second show of the summer season for Moonlight? This is the first show. Okay. And what's the, the rest of the? Yeah. What's the rest of the uh, playlist? The next one is Matilda, uh, uh-huh. which there's a lot of hype for. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the book and the movie, but I don't I I haven't heard any of the music for the the musical version so that's the only thing i'm kind of like asterisk about but otherwise i'm pretty yeah. excited for that and they're doing west side story um and then a show called victor victoria which is a, uh uh one i'm not super familiar with but i guess it's based on a movie with julie andrews from the 80s i think or something like that. yeah so, i'm aware of it but i don't really know much about it yeah so it's a pretty solid season i would say but this was a really 
this is a, I mean, I'm already a big fan of producers, but I think this is a hard one to top because this is, it was a pretty good, pretty strong season opener. Yeah. Uh, so. uh, I, I, I like producer. I think I, we saw that once on, we actually saw it on Broadway. My family and I took a vacation or, uh, in New York. And this was like right after the, um, Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane run. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, it was the same run, but it was right after they, so it, it was like Stephen Wright and, I believe someone else wasn't it. John Lovitz played the Alley Stock. It could have been. I honestly don't remember. But it was an awesome. It was it was awesome performance, and it was a lot of fun, regardless who who were playing yeah. the roles or primary roles. But yeah, yeah, and it's uh, like I said, you know, our theater does pretty high quality, and yeah. we, have, we have all the Broadway toys, so it's a good time. Uh, outside of the theater worlds, uh, I finally got around to seeing the movie Eighth Grade. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, it was on our my, my literal list of things I should have seen a long time ago. I have a notepad file saved on my desktop uh, called that. But uh, yeah, not have you seen it? Yeah, not I'm not sure what I was expecting, but not not that. I mean, I guess it it took me a little while. I I wasn't even really sure if I was enjoying it at first, because mm-hmm. um, you know part of it is it's it's, it's so real that it's uncomfortable, yeah. and yeah. I also. Um, I also a little bit there's a there's a uh, there's a Facebook group that uh, it's called What If Phones But Too Much um, and uh, and I see people tag things tag that group on certain posts sometimes because it's like it's making fun of art that's really like ah uh, the we're too into our phones and technology yeah. and kind of like Black Mirror type of thing yeah, and yeah, fun yeah. Of the, you know it's kind of and and I I also I felt like at first that's what the movie was gonna be because you know she's like a, yeah. a video caster on YouTube and yeah. there's a lot of scenes where she's ignoring people because she's on her phone and then there's other characters who are ignoring her because they're on mm-hmm. their phones and there's a lot of that crammed into the the first third of the movie or so yeah and and I was like oh, I don't know I don't know if this is the movie I was hoping to get but after a while it kind of grew on me and by the end of it i really liked it um but yeah it was just kind of not i don't know i'm not sure like i said i'm not sure what i was expecting but it was kind of a little strange but it's good it's a yes i mean i i definitely loved it it was i think mainly because i i didn't have a ton of expectations going in so Mm -hmm. maybe it was just kind of like just felt very authentic to me and i i loved it for that but you're right it absolutely is just like hard to watch in a cringeworthy embarrassing sense but mm-hmm. i think intentionally so because it's so realistic in so many ways like uh, uh i know exactly how that feels like god i was i was just like that or you know recognize yeah. the kind of parts yeah. of your own childhood um but yeah the, the idea like i mean it definitely has those themes kind of running through it and it is a major part of the film in mm-hmm. terms of like the screens and the phone and the just kind of our public social personas that we have but I, I agree that it, it it's not it's not like shoved down your throat in that regard. It's not strictly about that, and it's not it's so I don't know uh, obvious as like a Black Mirror episode. I think I'd like to say it does a little bit of a better job of I don't know. Right. Well, that's also like when you go in, this message when you go into Black Mirror, you kind of like that's the premise. Like that's yeah. kind of you know what that show is yeah. going to be about and. Going into this movie, I'm just like, okay, it's going to be about a girl's experience in eighth grade. And because yeah. it's so heavy on the tech themes early on, mm-hmm. I kind of went, oh, no. Oh, but, that, but then it didn't it didn't really follow through with that. So that's a, it, it, became, it became a more well-rounded movie than I initially thought it was going to be. So, you know, I should have trusted because I'd heard so many good things about it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, yeah, it was that that was a good time. That was a pleasant that that was that was a nice nice evening. Um how about you, Sean? How how you doing? What kind of stories do you bring to the fire this evening? Oh, let's see. I'll go to my old bag of tricks. Um well one I went to E3 last week, and if you want to hear any details about that, you guys should tune in to our last episode, our bonus episode of our E3 coverage. I don't. Um, I don't want to hear about any of Okay. Well, you already did, because you were on that episode. So. Yeah, exactly. That's why. But anyone else, you want to hear about <laughs> yeah. Sean's experiences at E3 and my vicarious experiences? Yes. Uh, the... Then tune into that. But that was a lot of fun. I always enjoy E3, so that was great. I'm going to play some games, see some friends, and video game Video games, that's always good. Yes. And speaking of video games outside of E3, there's a couple games I've been playing recently that have been fun. Um, so actually, it was released last week as part of E3, but um, the a new Zelda game called Cadence of Hyrule. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this or are aware of it, Matt. I, I'm aware of it on the level that I'm aware of the game that like preceded it. Yes. The, uh, the what is it? Necrodancer. Crypt of the, the Necrodancer. Yeah. yeah, that that game came out when I was in the height of my Dance Dance Revolution mania in college, and uh-huh. so I bought it and I played it a little while. I wasn't really into it, but then I saw this was a thing, and I was kind of kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um. Well, yeah. If you weren't super into Crypt of the Necrodancer, I don't know how much you'd be into this. Though maybe I'll I'll bring it by one day, and you could check it out on my Switch before you throw any money at it oh yeah but, i'd love to yeah. but it like it, it's that style gameplay but in a zelda game so imagine like link to the past um kind of it's semi procedurally generated but generally kind of follows the same pattern of you collecting items to allow you to get to other places and you powering up and getting more health and you know harder monsters and dungeons and all the standard Zelda stuff, but with the gameplay mechanics and combat of Crypt of the Necrodancer. Anyways, I'm enjoying it a lot. It took me a while. To, it's it's really hard at first, or at least I thought I was dying repeatedly. It took me a while to kind of click for it to click in. Mm. And then, and ever since then, I've just enjoyed a lot more. But it's super fun, and it's Zelda, so it already kind of is, I'm biased towards it, and I'm enjoying it. Maybe more than I would have otherwise, but... Take that for what it is. I recommend, though, if, if anyone's interested in Zelda and or Crypt of the Necrodancer. It's a fun mm-hmm. one. Um, and I also have been playing this other game, also on Switch, called Slay the Spire. Have you heard of that one? Matt? I have not even heard of that, no. So it came out on Steam and I think PlayStation 4 last year. And the idea is fairly, you know, um, it's pretty It's pretty original. It's basically, it's a, it's a roguelike, but a deck builder game. Hmm. so you're building a deck of cards that like think of like i don't know kingdom hearts chain of memories or like actual physical card game like dominion if anyone's ever played dominion who's Mm -hmm. listening um where you're trying to make a really efficient deck a really good deck with lots of powerful abilities but it's all in this realm of like a dungeon crawler that's you know like a roguelike procedurally generated with permadeath so you're going and fighting and you're playing your abilities based on the deck you have. But then if you die, you start at the very beginning and you no longer have any of your cards. But you do know what card combos go well. So that as you progress through the next story, like, oh, I'm going to get this card because I know it works really well with this combo. And, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and each time you play, it's a different layout of the dungeon map, you know. So it's different each time. And hmm. 
it's fairly kind of, you know, it's a fun little unique premise. Nothing super fancy, but just done really well and really addictive. It's one of those games where you just like play like, oh, okay, just one more time. I, I, I know I could do much better this time. And then that kind of feedback loop where it just kind of hooks you and you keep wanting to play. All right. So yeah, I'm both games at, are perfect on the Switch. I was going to say, I'm looking at uh, screenshots of this game right now uh, yeah. while you were describing it. And I really like the art style. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it looks cozy. Looks looks like a good time. Yeah, it's... I mean, both of those, but especially Slay the Spire is just, like, super perfect for, like, if you have a couple minutes here and there and mm-hmm. you just, like, want to jump in, have some fun, and then, oh, I'm back in line at the DMV. Let me now <laughs> do an eye test. Uh, and and what else? Oh, and then one other thing. I saw a film on Netflix last week. Um, have you – I watched Behind the Curve. Have you heard of this film? Uh, only in title. I don't think okay. I know anything else about it. Let's see. It's a documentary, and in my tradition of the last couple of weeks, watching things that are very frustrating, it follows in line with that. It's a documentary oh. about the flat earther. Oh movement. no! I know. I don't know why I watched this. I knew it wasn't going to be a good time, and I wasn't going to enjoy myself, um, and I didn't. But it actually is a really good film. It's just it it. It's a really interesting film. It's not a film where they're like trying to debunk or debate or the merits of flat. It's not that's not what it's about. It's more about the people and just like how does how how do these people come to this notion? Like why is this a thing? And they mm-hmm. go into like the psychology of it. They primarily follow this one guy who's kind of the 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 figurehead, the face of the movement right now. Mm-hmm. And they kind of follow his like cult of personality and why people follow him but in some ways it's tragic some ways it's kind of like hopeful um but in all ways it's very frustrating (laughs) yeah i i uh yeah i've watched a lot of things about flat earth but about flat earthers not about the actual you know it it all it seems like there's a lot of people making content about just like why why is this something that's like catching on so so rapidly again um if i may hijack this real quick um there's a youtube channel recommendation i have uh my wife and i love to watch it's called um all-time conspiracies and Uh it's 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 interesting because i mean like we're not like conspiracy nut people like but we're both interested in the concepts of these crazy uh conspiracies you know what i mean like where and this channel really looks at it and it in a way it's kind of no fun because a lot of their videos end with unfortunately there's really no data to support this <laughs> this theory but but it looks at them like from an academic standpoint like yeah. oh yeah you're aware of maybe the flat earth theory well here's the deal with it here's what people who believe in this theory think here's how long mm-hmm. it's been around and here's yeah here or here's variations of this theory and they cover you know jfk all the major like like yeah, all the big conspiracies. conspiracies they've done of at least a video about fake moon landing I'm yeah sure. a lot of that kind of stuff yeah. a lot of like creatures like okay oh, we're gonna talk about you know sasquatch well let's talk about yeah. every version of the sasquatch tale where they originated how long they've been around people who still believe in it yeah is there any evidence if so how credible is it etc all-time conspiracies it's it's a very like that's interesting it's yeah, a, it's kind that. of a dry academic look at conspiracy theories and it's yeah so if you're just interested in the concept of conspiracy theories but not but worried about whether people are going to believe yeah you you don't want people to think you're a crazy person (laughs) then it's well yeah yeah. 
And that kind, uh, that kind of seems like the documentary. What is it behind yeah, the curve? Yeah, a little. It's, it's called Behind the Curve. Yeah, and actually, it's funny you mentioned a YouTube channel. There's a YouTuber that I really like that I follow and watch all of his called H Bomber Guy, and oh, he yeah. recently did a video about the flat Earth movement, which is great. So that's another thing. I have but, seen um, that video. I've watched yeah, that video. It's, it, yeah, it's he's fantastic. He's really funny, and he's he's great. But that video, recommend that video as well. But mm. the, the this documentary, yeah, it takes more of an approach of like, okay. Why do these people believe this? And there's lots of moments in there that are just like so like so one of the people they follow really closely is this woman named Patricia something something. I don't know. She's also kind of like the face of the movement. But for some reason, I don't again, it's dealing with conspiracy theories. I don't call them crazy, but crazy. Um, She has become like a pariah kind of in the flat earther movement itself. And people have started to like point fingers at her as like she's a plant by the cia she doesn't actually belong here she's here to throw people off but she's a flat earther like all these like theories about her from within that yeah own, that own subculture it's and really so crazy they, yeah they follow her around a lot and they kind of interview her and she starts talking about it and she's like yeah it's so weird people are people think I'm part of this like giant conspiracy and that I'm not who I say I am. And there's no evidence, but they like cherry pick this evidence and stuff. It it must be like how, you know, people who believe, you know, believe in a, a earth, a sphere, spherical earth, how, how they feel about us. <laughs> and there's an, almost, there's a moment there where you're like, Oh, you're so close. You're so close <laughs> to the realization. And then she's like, yeah, but it's different. <laughs> I know you watch, uh, I know you watch, um, uh jenny nicholson's channel yeah yeah she she recently did a video about uh this is a little off topic but i but i have a point um but she did a video about avengers endgame but i guess Uh, in producing oh yeah she she lost a bunch of her audacity (laughs) file which Uh we have done by the way Um, uh but then like she just like rage quit and did this rant about how like (laughs) look i don't even want to do this video because i don't really have i don't really have this like strong negative hot take that people are looking for People like are emailing me saying I can't wait for you to rip apart Avengers Endgame, and she's like, I just thought it was okay, but if you don't, it, yeah. but if you don't hate something, then you're a shill and you're getting paid by yes. Disney to <laughs> say that I think this movie's okay. Like, why yeah. does how does that make me a like? How's this conspiracy? Like, where's the logic yeah. behind it? It doesn't make any yeah. like. If you don't say that this movie's terrible, then you're getting paid to yeah, not exactly. say that. Like, that's. Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a, a just wonderful. A, yeah, it's just the odd, just this human behavior and human psychology. Just like, man, people are weird. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense to any one person. I'm just saying in general, people are weird. Why do <laughs> people act the way they do? I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's what I watch. Like I said, I do. I, it's hard to recommend because it's very frustrating, but it actually is somewhat insightful into just kind of the whole movement and stuff. So. Mm. Uh, anyways but yeah that's what i've been up to um so that, that was some good chunk fire stories just the two of us see there you we go don't need any others some good bonding um, time there we go but now that now that we're done with our tales let's move into the main dish which i have now just realized that i don't even think we've mentioned in the intro to the episode it's fine if they're listening they clicked <laughs> yes. on the thing and it had the poster it's fine um so twist we're gonna talk about x-men dark phoenix bum 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 didn't see that coming uh-oh. unless he did yeah we read the title did. of the yes. podcast for this week <laughs> um so um from here on out there will be spoilers for x-men dark phoenix and most likely not most likely 
in case for some reason you are listening to this episode and watch Dark Phoenix but have not watched some of the other X-Men films, there's a very high likelihood there will be spoilers for pretty much any of the X-Men. Oh, I'm spoiling it all. Let's do this. So just throwing that out there. Um, But before we get into our discussion, Matt, can you tell us what happened in X-Men? Oh, boy. This is the first time I've had to do this. And you know what? It's it's I'm realizing it's bad because I'm always <laughs> hypercritical of when you guys do it, and now exactly. I, it's not so easy. Now I have to do it. No, it's not so easy. Okay, so this picks up. Uh, I, I would say a few years after X Men Apocalypse, which I'm sure everybody has seen. Um, <laughs> the X Men are now like there's there's a little X Men team, and they're doing little missions for the president and for the U.S. government. And uh, this one, they got to go up into space, and uh, it's it was a real it was a real space shuttle. Which one was it? It was one that was re- uh discovery i don't remember but anyway there's a space shuttle that's you know out in the atmosphere and it got hit by some kind of space fire so they're gonna go up and rescue the astronauts and while they're there uh jean gray gets hit with the the, the space fire goo and she gets infected with the the phoenix forge which is weird because in the la- end of the last movie <laughs> we'll, well, we'll get there we'll i know no i want to get there now <laughs> Okay, whatever. We'll get there. Jump in the gun. We'll get uh, there. Anyway. Anyway, Jean Grey gets infected with the Phoenix Force. Um, and for a lot of the movie, she's just acting weird and whatever. And they're trying to figure out what's what. Also, Jessica Chastain shows up with some buddies and they're aliens. And then she takes they're over. Aliens. They're 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 what? Groot they're, they're, aliens. Oh, they're Groot. aliens. Yeah. And then, so she's walking around, and we don't know what her deal is, and I guess she wants the Phoenix Force, and um, Jean Grey kills Mystique, um, probably because Jennifer Lawrence didn't want to wear the makeup anymore, because <laughs> um, it looks terrible in this movie, and she's only in the first act, but she kills Mystique, and then she goes on the run, and the X-Men are trying to find find Jean Grey, and Jessica Chastain and her buddies are trying to find Jean Grey, and eventually... Everyone convenes at a house next to a train track, and then everyone's on the train, and there's a really cool train fight. Oh, dang it! That was Wait, that's, no, that's the a house reason. was in New York. Was it? I don't know. Uh, anyway, now I'm realizing why all others and upset. I'm upset that Ryan's not here because we, there's a cool train fight in this movie. We we both love train fights. Anyway, there's a, there's a train <laughs> fight, and then um, Dark Phoenix wins, and. Flies away because her planet needs her, and then, um, <laughs> and then uh, Professor X and Magneto, who I haven't even mentioned until right now, they have one last game of chess. Except for not really because the timeline, and I don't, and I don't know anymore. Anyway, that's Dark Phoenix. How would I do? Uh, a for effort. Okay, thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <sighs> <laughs> where do we even begin with this? I don't even know where to start. Okay, well, uh, I'll let me take it back then. Yeah. What were you? So, what were your? Uh, oh yeah, here's a classic question. What's our What's our history with X Men? That's always oh, one okay, when we don't we know go. what we don't, when we don't know what to talk about. That's an easy one to start with. <laughs> I feel yeah, that's a slow approach to whatever we're gonna get into soon here. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so X Men have kind of always been my favorite comics. Mm-hmm. Um. The movies I've all generally enjoyed. I mean, I think we we've mentioned it briefly in other episodes how the first X Men film, in some ways, kind of set the standards in some ways for the modern superhero film. It was the Detective um, Pikachu for yes. for the comic. Yes, like, that's right. That's what we were talking. We, about. We haven't got Pikachu. the we haven't got the Spider Man yet for video no. games, but but it was the tec- um, it was the Detective yeah. Pikachu. 
So that so that gives you an idea of how I felt about X-Men or how we felt about the original X-Men film. Um, and actually, spoiler alert, it, this film reminds me so much of the original X-Men film and not in good ways necessarily. Oh, I thought you were um, going to say it reminds you of Detective Pikachu. Oh, well, no, not no, so much. it doesn't at all. Anyway. Um, but, uh, but I've enjoyed all the X-Men. And in fact, I at one point when I was, I don't know, years ago, I was so obsessed with the X-Men that I basically downloaded all the torrents mm-hmm. of every single issue of X-Men from the six, from 63, whenever it premiered, and read issue by issue every single X-Men comic up through like the 19, late 1980s. Before it started branching off into so many spinoff series that I could not keep track. And I uh, eventually never, uh, you know, I never finished reading every single one. But I have kind of kept up to speed in general terms of what's going on. And I know all the characters for the most part. And, and I have my faves and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's my background with X-Men. What about you? Um, well, X-Men is one of two comic book IPs that I've ever had any kind of, like, like association with or mm-hmm. or read or picked up a comic for the other one is yeah. batman um those are the only two that i've ever read any of the comics for but with both of them i grew up watching their cartoons and yeah. so i oh, yeah, i have sure. always been very familiar with those two properties because of the 90s cartoons and i particularly loved the x-men cartoon i haven't seen the whole series but i would you know watch it after mm-hmm. school or whenever it aired and yeah i've seen a lot of it um and so I, that and uh and then when the movies started coming out um i was real big into the movies and uh yeah i just i've, I've been i've been pretty much ride or die with the x-men movie series for the most part since since x1 came out in what 2000 i think um yeah so, was yeah. it 99 i guess it was 2000 yeah so yeah i've read i've i've read a good amount uh, a handful of the arcs i've read pretty much all the the trade paperbacks that they ended up turning into movies so like i've read god loves mm-hmm. man kills i've read days of future past it, you know the one with mm-hmm. the mutant cure that josh whedon did i i've read a lot of those and that's pretty much where i'm at with where my x-men history so well they, yeah i mean in 2000 it's it's a superhero franchise that predates the MCU before there was an MCU. Oh yeah, I mean, it's been around for twenty years, and mm-hmm. this is the I think the thirteenth film in, or eleventh. Yeah. I'm including Deadpool films in oh. the X Men universe. Okay, well then I can tell you in here in a minute because I just in case I needed it, I ra- I made a ranked list of my favorite X Men movies. Um, oh yeah that's uh, a good idea uh, you don't have to but i just was Four, just thought maybe you might need it seven, deadpool 2 okay 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 12. 11 uh hmm? because there's three original four in the newer ones that's seven oh. three wolverines that's 10 and then two deadpool that's 12 you're right, right? i had counted 11 because i forgot to rank uh last stand and now i don't oh, know okay. where to put last stand in my ranking Uh-oh. i had to figure that out before we uh, decide we're going to use this list for anything anyway uh, or decide not to whatever um all right well what were your what were your initial reactions to this movie so after it was i over? have a yeah i have a lot of mixed feelings in general i there's stuff that i liked about there actually is stuff i liked about this film i think there were parts of the story and some of the characters that i think with better handling and better writing and better directing and better everything would have been like interesting and good and captivating and some of it shown through but i think overall my biggest takeaway is that it just felt it felt like a movie 20 years ago it felt like a film with the fraction of the budget of apocalypse which 
in and of itself is not a bad thing, but it mm-hmm. just felt like it was phoned in in so many ways. Lazy is a harsh word, but it did come across as like, we just got to, let's just film this so we could be <laughs> done filming this. Like, bo- both in terms of the production values of so much of it and in terms of the characters, in terms of the acting, so much of it just felt like, let's just get this over with. <laughs> well, that's how I, I felt think... seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. What were your general takes? I mean, obviously, pretty similar, I would guess. Well, go- uh, going into it, I knew what I knew about it. I knew that, and I don't know if you know this or not, but this is the critically and financially worst received X Men movie. It has. The, oh, I didn't know. Critically, it has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes meter score out of any X Men movie that's Even come out. Over X Men, everything. Or Wolverine yeah, Origins? it has the lowest score. Oh my god! It's well, also, I don't believe. I don't. I don't agree with that. It's also. Anyways. It's also the first X Men movie to not open at number one on the box office. Um, wow. So yeah, financially, this movie's poised to lose a lot of money. Um, it's mm. it's a huge flop in every sense of the word. So I knew this stuff going into seeing the movie. Um, but like you said, I don't think that any of that is fair or justified. I don't think this is the worst X-Men movie. No, I don't I, even, I, I think there are several X-Men movies that are worse than this. Um, yes. I don't think it's the best, but no, I not think, at all. Yeah. I think, I think looking at it as there's a couple things working against it. I think, um, one that we've already had a live action dark Phoenix story done in this mm-hmm. continuity. I mean, I say continuity, massive air quotes with this series, but, um, <laughs> Well, we've already done. We've already seen a version of Dark Phoenix with these with in this universe. Yeah. Um, it's also pretty much going to be the last one in this Fox timeline. And as a finale, it doesn't. I don't think they intended it to be a finale, but as a finale, it's very lackluster. Yeah. Um, but I think that this, if this were just some random X Men movie that just came out sometime in the middle of the lineup, I I think it would have been fine. Um, and there were some things I actually liked about yeah. it a lot. Um, I. I one of the things that you you touted as a negative or like how it's kind of like it just feels like cheap and lazy compared to something like Apocalypse like mm-hmm. I thought Apocalypse was like overwhelming it gave me like a stomach yeah. ache I actually appreciated and it really enjoyed some of the smaller scale action scenes in this movie I really thought that some of the moments like when they're on the street in front of Jean's house or when they're battling on the train I love some of the really up close like what I would call hand to hand combat, but it's like mutant to mutant, like up close yes. power fights. I I actually thought there was some I totally agree. really cool X Men stuff in this movie. So yeah, all the team up and the actual. I guess what I, what I meant by the apocalypse stuff, like I said, that it wasn't strictly a, a you know a compliment for apocalypse. I just meant in terms of of how it looked mm-hmm. and like like kind of going back to what i said this reminded me so much of the first one where the action scenes were just like you could clearly tell those just wires and like they punch and there they go flying across the room right. and there there's a certain visceral like quality to that that i kind of appreciate but i, I just feel like it just comes across as so dated now yes. whereas apocalypse i'm not saying the quality of the film but at least the the action felt a little bit more in line with what we've come to expect with these action movies um, but I agree that the action scenes in this, when they were good, were actually really good. The fight scene in the train was actually really good. And the um, the uh, fight outside the little apartment in New York, there were moments that were cool there. But I think that also there were – that was kind of the extreme for me at yeah. both ends. I mean, there were moments there that also did not work. So. I mean, I'm, I've been trained basically since the year 2000 to 
like anytime I see uh, new X Men stuff on screen, yeah. my brain releases dopamine because it's been trying to do that. <laughs> but like, I do, I legitimately really liked the first act of the movie. Pretty much everything up until um, Mystique the died. Whole space shuttle sequence was good. I, I and, thought the whole space shuttle sequence was great. Yeah, and uh, oh gosh, I was watching a review of this, someone else's review, but they're saying that like, if you go back and watch all the X Men movies, they usually take place in like the mansion or like an abandoned mm-hmm. warehouse somewhere and like the 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 settings of a lot of the x-men movies are very similar to each other and yeah. just seeing like them like all right guys we got to go up into the, the take the jet to space and we got to have a little space adventure i was like yeah i'm here for space adventure like cool this is a new like yeah why hasn't x-men done this a long time ago like cool fine like neat you know and uh even even since we've already had a, a dark phoenix movie happen how are we only now just you know and i guess I guess now the world maybe earlier they thought like oh people wouldn't wouldn't accept space adventures but yeah, Marvel but the MCU has Marvel, done Thor yeah. and Guardians and all that people are ready for it and it's almost like they didn't go far enough like they could have yeah. gone farther with space adventures and people would have been in you know yeah, up for definitely. it um, but yeah basically and it's not just cause, like not just because I like Mystique I I don't even particularly love that character but I just feel like everything after that point in the movie just kind of slowed down and i i had a i had less i i needed more momentum i need like i need more answers i need to know who jessica chastain is i need this movie to like yeah get like pick up his feet and start walking somewhere and i i, I after that point it kind of just felt like a like several slogs in between some neat action scenes you know well there's so much of it that kind of kind of just melded into I don't know, it just kind of be, felt generic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think exemplifies the best is is Jessica Chastain's character and just the antagonist force in general. Mm-hmm. I think it was just so boring and lackluster. Like, she was obviously the only one that was actually a character, and she was barely a character. But, like, the rest of them, it just, like, it. I, I, what, they were like zombies, kind of. Like, right. It was unclear what their powers were, and it was just like they just felt like the most boring kind of guys. And then when they weren't in their alien form, which was again, this kind of goes what I was saying, it clearly just seemed like they're a sign of them, like, well, we don't want to spend a lot of money, so just make them guys in suits during some scenes. Like right. they just were like normal people in clothes. It, it, yeah, if if you're if the motivation of your villain is going to be a mystery, then it needs to be something yeah. cool when they reveal it. And yeah, it was just and not, nothing. Um, well, this is also kind of curious too, because I had thought I had read beforehand when during the production of this and, you know, that they were announcing they're going to make another Phoenix film, that they were actually going to do the Shi'ar Empire. Right. And so then when it wasn't, when it felt like they could have, that was also kind of weird that they, it was just like, because they, they're doing a space species and in a lot of ways it felt like they were setting up the Shi'ar Empire. And I don't know how I felt like it would have been, I'm just saying it would have been more interesting, I think, compelling than the villains that we got because right. the villains were pretty lackluster. Yeah, they 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 made a big deal on in the press leading up to this movie beforehand that they they were going to do a much more comic accurate version of. Yeah, and and I had to you know because I, I I had to go look this up to figure out who Jessica Chastain was supposed to be later on. And in in the comics, after Jean's infected by the Phoenix Force, she goes crazy and she destroys a planet, and yeah. she, and. That's the same planet that that just yeah Jessica Chastain is from that planet and in this version of it the Phoenix Force destroyed the planet before it got to Jean Grey and I went okay well 
all right, I guess that's more comic and, accurate, but it's not far enough for me. It's not different. And it also it robs a lot of like the the fun conflict and the stuff that the original Phoenix story was mm-hmm. so good good for you know why it was so good, right? Um, which also I have another issue just in general with this and the you know last stand is that the idea that it, it's called dark phoenix but phoenix in and of itself is not dark like dark phoenix is a separate arc than the phoenix arc and i don't know why they keep doing that phoenix yes. isn't evil phoenix isn't in of itself an evil right thing. it becomes evil when gene gray becomes corrupted by the hellfire club like again i'm getting to super comic nerd stuff yeah. which is not relevant but i'm just saying like if they're gonna do a dark phoenix what, like why not just call it phoenix right if they're gonna and, bother like, to try to do a more comic accurate version of the yeah. story and then brag about it then then do it <laughs> Like yeah, I don't, or like, I don't care how accurate it is. If it's good, it's exactly. good. But if you're going to tell me you're going to do an accurate version of this, then then do it. You, you yeah. know. Um, I thought um, on the Dark Phoenix note, and this is maybe goofy, but you know, and, and we're jumping around all over the place. But at the end, when Jessica Chastain's trying to take the Phoenix Force away from from Jean Grey, yeah, and it gets interrupted, I thought like, oh, okay, so they're both going to be Phoenix, yeah, and now Jessica Chastain is Dark Phoenix, and now. Jean Grey gets to be the good Phoenix, and yeah. there's going to be a Phoenix fight. That would be cool, and also goofy, but who cares? At least yeah. at least they could, would acknowledge that there's two different Phoenix versions of the Phoenix Force. Like, mm-hmm. that would be fun. You know, that'd be a neat way to end the movie. Whatever. Be all right. I would have been all right with that, but, you know. But then, I don't even remember what happens. She just dies. She kills I, I think she, like... Uh, Turns she, ash or something? She, she like... Uh, sucks out all the phoenix force in space and then oh. uh, something like that i don't know she dies in space and then gene has to fly away because their planet needs her <laughs> um but then come back for no, the original no, nothing at all because this is this is the finale to x-men oh, okay. until disney um, does something <laughs> uh well <clears throat> so i i mentioned also some of the acting to me came across as like all right, we got to do this. I mean, I think Jennifer Lawrence is the easy target, but I did also feel like Michael Fassbender a little bit was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. What am I doing here? Well, okay. Um, yes and no. I mean, well, going back to Jennifer Lawrence, yes. Um, because it's very clear, especially, I use the makeup as an example, but if you yeah. screenshot, her makeup looks so terrible in this compared to any other movie that Mystique is in. And it's just her face and her hands. Like they never even show the full body mystique, and they still and they're still cheaping out on that. Michael Fassbender, I think that aura of him being like I don't care, maybe because this is the second movie in a row where it starts with him just like minding his own business in seclusion somewhere, and then the X Men or someone shows up and goes, "Hey, Magneto, it's time for you to be Magneto again," and he's like, "No, I'm not. I don't want to be. Just leave me alone." Like. That is funny. I was thinking, how many times has he had to, like, start his new life over? <laughs> yeah, every time he's just like, I'm just trying to be good. Just, like, <laughs> go away. Just leave me alone. And I don't know if that's his performance's fault. I think that's more of a yeah. writing issue. But yeah, maybe. he plays yeah. that emotion very well, if nothing else. <laughs> that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still like James McAvoy. I thought he's still kind of... I, at least he worked for me as Professor X. I've always liked him in all the newer um, X-Men films. Yeah. Um, I, I did you have an issue with like there's so much of like the character dynamics that both don't make sense and also just like m- motivate people in the weirdest ways so 
Yeah, I don't really know. I don't know why everyone hated Professor X at the beginning. Not everyone, but like, I I don't know. Like, I I, I had a hard time buying Mystique's argument for Professor X, like, ruining, like, being evil. Not evil, but you know what I mean? Yeah, they, they like, I don't know. I feel like he's doing his best, given a, a not very good situation. Like, there's no precedent for this. What's he supposed to do? Also, I feel like what you're saying is, like, you know, everybody being mad at Professor X. Okay, Simon Kinberg wrote and directed this movie this is his directorial debut by the way sorry sorry simon kinberg but um but he also co-wrote last stand which also had a whole like plot where logan was mad at professor x because you didn't have the right to mess with their brain like that i wonder if he was just an autopilot writing going like well of course this is the part of the movie where everyone's mad at professor x only we won't blow him up this time because they didn't like it last time (laughs) or maybe he just has an issue with professor x maybe oh yeah maybe that's it yeah it's it's a personal (laughs) vendetta yeah, I think I, I did feel like maybe there's a little bit of the laziness or at least just autopilotness in the script there. Yeah. And so in terms of how those kind of character dynamics came out as a result of that kind of thing and then how like Beast reacted and like it all came across in some ways as a little melodramatic and not always bad, but it just some of those moments just felt like, um, I don't know. The Beast? Did Beast tell Mystique that he loved her when she was dying, or did I imagine that? I think it was vice versa. Mystique told Beast. Oh, that she right. Loved him. Yeah, I remember being really like that. that. That's what like, I'm talking oh, about. Okay. That's what I was like. Oh, you wait. Really? That you? that was the emotional I mean... core here for the last four movies. <laughs> yeah. um, really? I. Oh, okay. All right. This is news to me. Like those kind of like it just yeah. felt like playing for the most extreme like she's dying in his arms and says i love you yeah like that doesn't feel like x-men at least not no it doesn't and then and then what makes this all worse what you're saying is that like and i I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole but like you know they did days of future past and then they sort of not rebooted but they reset the timeline so that they didn't have to be bound by the original timeline but now i don't know I think that makes it even worse at trying to sort out people's priorities and personalities and whatnot, because I'm trying to remember who was in what timeline when and what happened to who and who, who experienced which events. And it just makes me just like, Oh, okay. So right. There was a point at some, some movie where be- where Mystique loved beast, I guess. And yeah, what, what, I guess that's, it was the original, it was first like, class, or not the original first class. Yeah. But yeah. But actually, so I actually had, like, I was trying to work at it. Like, I've always had this idea, like as a Yum Chunks project that may we we could branch off is is do some sort of like video series and or podcast where we explore a timeline of a different franchise because I I'm always fascinated and love trying to piece together timelines. Ugh. So in 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 a very lackluster like half you know thrown together effort toward in that regard. What is the timeline of the X Men universe? Let's let's figure this out. So. What I have is the very first thing that we could track is Apocalypse, right? That's the first, like, 10,000 BC yes, or whatever. Yes, 10,000 years ago into the future, yes. So, from there, we jump to, like, the World War One when Wolverine is with Sabretooth and they're mutants and he fights in the World War and loses his memory, right? Yeah, that, okay, hold on a second. I I'm gonna, think that's right. I, I have my ranked list, but I'm going to copy-paste this all and I'm going to rearrange it as you as we piece this together so we started with apocalypse okay yes. and then we go well yeah and then we go origins wolverine is the next one yes. that that we see anything in the timeline right because we yes. go to like the civil war and and all, mm-hmm. all that junk okay cool yeah so then from there 
Um, I think we go um, first class, right? I think so, but I think this is where we're going to start to have problems because we're either we either have to decide whether this is all one timeline and things get erased, so or whether I, things fracture. <laughs> let's work with it all being one timeline oh, for now. It's not going to work. All right, it's going to work. We're going to make this work. It's not right. going to work. So, okay, so apocalypse, and then Wolverine Origins, and then well, we're first class. We're already technically kind of off because. Most of Wolverine Origins takes place, I think, in the eighties. No, well, I'm not saying the whole film. I'm just like saying, like, yeah, you're right. That'll we'll at, we'll it'll also be in the eighties. So will Apocalypse, right? But I'm just saying, in terms of like just kind of tracking events that have happened in the X universe, okay, right? Does that make sense? Like, just right. kind of fitting this timeline together. Yeah. Like, if you're looking at a timeline, there would be little spokes on the timeline for those events: Apocalypse, ten thousand BC, Wolverine, early nineteen hundreds vague just time there then we jump to 60 whatever 62 first class right? was in the 60s we'll just say the 60s well I, I guess you could say 45 or 44 or whatever nazi germany with eric oh and x1 right? x1 and first class. oh no okay all right well i'll leave x1 alone for now so we go first yes. class and then this is easy after first class we go to uh we go to uh days of future past right or did yes that's 70s days of future past this is see it, right we, we can't keep it a straight line it's not possible no well okay so days of future past and then days of future past it goes to um apocalypse okay right yeah back to apocalypse again yeah and that's in the 80s and then from there or we go to wolverine origins again right yeah but but it, it can't it doesn't exist in the same timeline as apocalypse though this is that's a that's the erased timeline is it yeah it has to be why because that one leads into x1 and x2 that's a prequel to x because x2 implies the weapon x project but origins wolverine is the one that actually shows us supposedly the weapon x project so that's in the x1 x1 x2 timeline the last stand timeline has to be but I mean, I, is there anything that strictly con- contradicts each other, though? Uh, Sean, every movie contradicts every other movie. What, a, <laughs> well, what kind I mean, of a question is that? Like, little minor things. I'm just saying. I think you could still say he isn't like Wolverine Origins before, like as he's part of whatever. The, what's the squad in Wolverine Origins that that the little squad is part of? Uh, X, you know, with X Force. Is it X Force? I don't know what they call it. I don't know what they movie. call it, but but Ryan Reynolds but is there somehow. Charge. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, and that's all. That's in the eighties. So this takes place. Yeah, yeah, eighties. Actually, that kind right? of does make sense because right? Apocalypse and Origins Wolverine both take place in the eighties, and in both movies, yeah. there's a scene where Logan escapes from a facility naked into the snow. So actually. Huh. There you go. Uh, They're kind of just retellings of the same. So the but anyways, the first part of Origins though takes place in the eighties before the apocalypse part of eighties uh, of eighties, right? Because he's not like captioned on experiments yet. He's still like a happy member of X Force from Striker. It's not until later that Striker, you know. I would, I guess. So right. So I what I do is I split Origins and Wolverine. I I space those two words out and I shove Apocalypse yes. in between them. Yes. Oh, yeah. no. Okay, this is getting messy. Okay, messy. so that's Apocalypse. Okay. So then from there we go to... Uh, the original the, trilogy. Then the original X-Men. The, ori- right? the original trilogy outright, I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, the original trilogy, X-Men, X2, and Last Stand. Yes. Then from there we go to The Wolverine, right? 
Oh, no. I don't know how that one works. Okay, here's the problem with The Wolverine. is that If that takes place closer to present day, then when he comes back from Japan at the end after the credits, he runs into Professor X, who's <laughs> yeah. not exploded, and he, and he runs into Magneto. Well, okay, so I just assume, because at the end of Last Stand, they show Professor X waking up in the thing, and they... He they figured out how to make him okay. Professor fine, X. that's not the bigger. That's not even the big issue. Yeah. The bigger issue is that they're like Wolverine. You're back. You're you're back. You have to. You got to come help us because of the robots and and Trask is a thing and the Trask robots and the Sentinels. But then th- that's like what that scene takes place in the early two thousands. What you know? Yeah, whenever the Wolverine. And then the place. next but thing that happens, they're from the future though, right? They're in the future. It's right? never established. That is never. I don't. I don't know where you're getting that, but that's never established. It's. It's never established. Well, either they're from the future, or they're just like this is gonna happen in the future. So let's hang out. <laughs> let's do nothing <laughs> until it's such a big problem. The world yes. is a wasteland. Okay. Yeah. And then that means after, from Last Stand, the Wolverine, we go back to Days of Future Past. And then we go back to Days of Future Past, which is the future, but. That future's kind of erased because they fixed it. Because that was like a fake feature already. Yes. Right? So that was the fake feature. So then it, what really happens is they... It's not the apocalypse, but it's it's still kind of bad. So then Logan happens. <laughs> okay. I, uh, yeah, I don't know where to... Okay, let's let's put a pin in that one for right now. Okay. <laughs> but the, here's the thing. Timeline... It's definite timeline-wise. Days of Future Past, they then send Logan into into the 70s which then leads into apocalypse because he gets captured by striker who was maybe mystique i don't know well so he gets ca- yeah the mystique thing regardless let's just say ca- mystique striker captured him and then that's when he made him join the happy squad of x-force uh, okay but then uh, okay sure all right fine and then after all that after apocalypse all now we've gone through the whole loop all right we've gone through yeah we've gone through the timeline and we've looped backwards like two or three times already now, mm-hmm. finally, we're at Dark Phoenix. Oh, by the way, where do you want to put the Deadpool movies? Oh, <laughs> where? Oh, that's what I was going to mention because there's a scene in Deadpool Tool where he walks into the mansion and he sees Beast and Professor X, but it's James McAvoy, Professor yes. X. So it has to be in the early 90s. Okay, Deadpool but in Deadpool 1, he place. references Patrick Stewart. So he's, <laughs> he's experienced both timelines somehow. That's true. Deadpool takes place in both of them. Wait, when does Dark Phoenix take place? No, Dark Phoenix, we forgot to mention Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix takes place after... After Apocalypse. After Apocalypse, right before the original trilogy. It takes place in the 90s, and the original trilogy takes place in the early 2000s. Yes. Because for whatever reason, this reboot series, they have to do a different decade. Even though they stopped playing with the time period at all like yes yeah there was no 90s element in this movie nobody, nobody's watching fresh prince of bel-air in the, the rec room of the <laughs> although there was dazzler did you oh know, my like, the gosh dazzler? there was dazzler i forgot about I did, that i, I kind of did like about... dazzler no except for i'm mad about that though it wasn't taylor swift that's apparently what it the thing is at some point i think it might have been during production of first class lady gaga tweeted a joke on april fool's day that she was cast as dazzler completely a joke <laughs> and then not a joke oh, yeah. taylor swift got casted as dazzler as in a cameo for apocalypse and then they cut no they, for days of future past was it? no no it was Apoc- no it was apocalypse. gaga was for yeah, future yeah. past and then she yeah. taylor swift filmed a cameo scene for apocalypse that got cut from the movie yeah and then dark phoenix finally had dazzler but it was neither lady gaga nor taylor swift <laughs> Gosh, what a uh, worse version of the timeline. All right. Damn. <laughs> Both the movie timeline and the one we're living in. 
there's there's a timeline we're living in where all of these movies have have taylor swift playing dazzler as a main character as a main character just like the x-men arcade game yes (laughs) oh boy Where's that fit in? Okay. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, um, I think we figured this out. Um, yeah, we what did. did we accomplish, we though? Do how do we feel about this? Did we know. did we do anything important with our? I mean, I assume when people listen to this, it'll like be revelatory. <laughs> you know, people will just hold hands and peace will be <laughs> like wave. A wave will come across the earth as people realize how it all makes sense thanks to us. It's, it is. It, it will be that, but it's going to be more like uh, the movie Us. It's going to be that. <laughs> Yeah, people rise up. People are holding scissors, and half the world's dead. The, the Morlocks will come out of the sewers. Oh, good. All right. Um. Okay. Well, I'm I'm somewhat satisfied. I think I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no. With... I actually think okay for real. I think you can watch the original trilogy, uh, First Class, Days of Future Past, and Dark Phoenix. I I try to figure out. What's the combination where you watch the most movies with the least amount of continuity yeah. errors? And I think that's what yeah, it, I, I think that's what it is. Original trilogy, so one through Last Stand, then you go back in time. You do Last Stand, or no, 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 First Class, etc. I don't know. Yeah, and you go all the way from there through Dark Phoenix, and I think everything still works. Because yeah, it kind of does. Is it, <laughs> I mean, basically throughout the Wolverine movies. Well, not just because they may not make sense, but just throughout the Wolverine. <laughs> well, except for Logan. No, yeah, that one. A lot of people, like, when, when The Wolverine came out, they were like, oh, yeah, that was good. And I never was super on board with The Wolverine. I think everybody was just hyped that it wasn't. It was okay. It, wasn't, it was just better. Than, yes. Was Wolverine Origins than, bad. It was. Yes, I think it, yes. I think it's at best okay. Um, but it turns into schlock at the end with a giant robot bat- yeah. battle for no reason. And I don't know. They could have had something with that movie, I think. But. It's I don't know. A- anyway, um, boy, we we got off the rails there, but I, yeah. we we fulfilled our promise of though. of spoiling every movie in the series. I think exactly we had to fulfill that. It was like the giant climactic fight, train fight. Even though we're not necessarily at the end of the podcast, it was still climactic. Um, but okay, so to the kind of jumping from that, why did they kill Mystique and? phoenix at the end of this there was no reason to kill either of them well again i think i think a lot of how mystique's character has been handled in the last two movies i think just has to do with um jennifer lawrence and her contractual obligations and just trying to do the bare minimum i think i I was really cynical but i really think that they're trying to just like she's like all right you can have me for this much and i'm not going to spend more than this many hours in the makeup chair and etc etc i think that has to do with that but killing phoenix at the end i guess she probably well she she flies away she's you can see her flying away in the sky at the end so she's not dead yeah. dead but isn't the um, i feel like they've played that note too much like that's how x2 ended yeah that's how apocalypse ended and hey guys there she is again like, oh yeah you can't, now i can talk about this now i can talk i'm sorry to cut, oh, cut yeah, you off you could, yeah no, definitely so talk the about end it. of apocalypse apocalypse yes. is killing <laughs> everyone which he should have been able to do with a finger snap at the beginning of that scene, but he's killing everyone, and then, and then Professor X says, "All right, unleash the the Phoenix Force. It's inside of you. You have to unleash the power inside." She does, and it's a giant firebird. But then this movie, which is a direct sequel to the one before it, it's not even like they're trying to connect two different timelines or anything like they did with yeah. Future Past. This is a direct sequel to to the last to to Apocalypse, and this one says, "No, later on, ten years later, she's going to get the Phoenix Force." infected with it in a space shuttle what how do you like that's that's not 
that that is you just don't care at that point right it has to be if you're writing this movie you have to be like no one's gonna care about this why should i it yeah. has to be i mean the thing is that they could have explained it with some just whatever writing mumbo jumbo of oh she's always had this power inside of her and the phoenix force unlocked it or it manifests itself and enhances what was already inside mm-hmm. of her so we saw the end of apocalypse there was something powerful she's really powerful that's hidden inside and whatever the cosmic force is that she collided with just unleash it and she loses control yeah, like that like I, I mean i feel like the movie tries to sort of do that because jessica chastain says like oh well the phoenix was looking for a vessel out, it was looking for a vessel that was powerful enough to contain it right well, okay they did not do a good they should have gone farther all. into that because yes. the last movie explicitly shows a giant firebird <laughs> yes. burst yes. out of her so i don't they should have somehow also it's so going back to what i was saying about how phoenix is not a force of evil in and of itself like they're already being schizophrenic with how to portray phoenix because it at the end of every single one of these films phoenix is a sign of hope right but then when you actually see phoenix it's just this evil destructive force that kills every like oh god we thought it was coming to say oh god why did we think that was hopeful like at the x2 like uh there's still hope inside and we're panning over the the lake in canada and the yeah and then she's it's and then oh wait she's back and killing everyone i guess it was a it was a foreboding ending text you you watch x2 again and like it's 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 the actor who plays phoenix and she's reciting the the monologue that x1 opens that patrick's and it's so and the music is like triumphant it's like oh yes this is here we go yeah and it's like and, and then she's a crazy person in the next one and everybody dies and everything <laughs> yes. vaporizes and the golden gate bridge is in ruins and everything's terrible. <laughs> and again, and it wasn't like she was corrupted. That was just how they presented Phoenix. And in some ways it's kind of similar in this. And that's why I was like, like why was she like, it was one thing if it was just raw power, but it, they made the point of kind of repeatedly saying that like, it's, it's it's enhancing her worst impulses and and making her violent and it's like that that's not necessarily what phoenix was or does mm-hmm. i don't know it's, i don't know just straight. it's wacky it is it's wacky um i don't know i don't know well well okay let's okay so so now that we've worked out the timeline solid rock solid airtight um let's rank our x-men movies i've had time to think about this so okay uh all right well i didn't put deadpool in them i did i have them but i also did not either because i couldn't figure it out actually um but let's just go with the base 10 then okay i i wasn't sure where to put logan because i think it's objectively the best movie but it's yeah. it's not my favorite and i think my yeah, i would say go with your favorite i would say my favorites are the way they are because of a heavy dose of nostalgia um so i'll start from the bottom i'll say uh origins wolverine is the worst yes that is also my and then right above that is apocalypse and then oh really see i have last stand above and then we'll say dark phoenix and then last stand really you like all right let me let me let me take a detour here i think okay last stand was the only one that I, I think I think it's the only one I really had high expectations for, because X Men yeah. One came out and nobody knew the comic movies weren't really a thing. So I was just like happy it was an X Men movie, 
And then X Men, yeah. and I was X Men Two came out, and I was like, ah, the first one might have been a fluke. I don't, I don't want to get. And then it was better, and and I was like, um, oh, like I, I was nervous because they were changing directors, but I'm like, man, I can't wait for the conclusion to this trilogy. And it was so heart, just heartbreaking. But now that I've had yes. time to think about it and rewatch it and rewatch it compared to some a lot of the X, other X Men movies, I'm like, it's not really that bad of a movie. Like it's it's. Got things up. Yeah. Ab- I mean, it's it's got yeah. things about it I definitely don't like, and I just like an X Men fan. There are things that I hate about it, but if you were detached yourself from any kind of fandom or bias or anything, I think it's. I don't think it's that bad of a movie. I think it's okay. Um, but yeah, I would say so. Where where was I? Last Stand was above Dark Phoenix. Then above Last Stand, I would say the Wolverine. Wolverine goes to Japan, and yeah. then First Class. And then Days of Future Past above that one. Then I put Logan. Then I put X1 and the next two is at the top. Okay. So I have I'll, same thing. Starting from the bottom, I have Wolverine Origins. Then I have Last Stand. Then I have Apocalypse. Then I have... Well, uh, well no. Then I have Dark Phoenix. Then I have The Wolverine. I think that's probably it. Well, and then so then I go with the original X Men. Okay. So mine's a little, that's a little further down my list than yours. Um, so X Men, then First Class, then Logan, then Days of Future Past, then X Two. Okay. So we both have our favorite X Men film. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a couple other differences. I, I know a lot. Of, I think X One doesn't hold up as well, like when you compare it to modern movies. But I think yeah. as an X Men movie, when I go back and rewatch any of these, I think that's the one that really like hits home on the like thought the ideas that like oh we have to accept people who are different you know our differences yeah. make us special not you know freaks and yeah. i think that's really i don't think they've ever really hit upon that as strong in any other movie since then since the first one i think that one really yeah. like because because the, the focal point in that one is uh is rogue whose character they ruined in last yes. stand but but i really like that the we see the story through the eyes of someone who is an outcast and is afraid and is being shunned and doesn't know what to do with herself. I, and I really like that. That's the focus. And I just, yeah, like I said, I don't think they've ever captured that yeah. as well. I, I actually, yeah, that's a good point. I agree. And I think for the most part, they don't even try with the Wolverine. Right. Ones. Um, but with the other ones, I feel like there's moments and elements where they do do some interesting things. Like even with last stand, mm-hmm. the idea of the cure, like, Oh, that's an interesting thing. But I didn't really like where they took it in that film or even with dark Phoenix with this idea that like, Oh, we're actually at a place where we're living in peace with them and we could see the benefit. Mm -hmm. And, and then because there was a disturbance in the neighborhood, everything falls apart. Like, I don't like that kind of ends up being disappointing. Um, so yeah, there are elements in all of them, but you're right. I do think just that, that kind of core, what X-Men has kind of from the beginning, tried to be about i i kind of agree with you actually yeah and that's Um, why it's so high up i mean a lot of people i think would put it somewhere in the middle on their lists but yeah it's i guess it just depends on what you want out of an x-men movie you know like or if you want anything out of an x-men movie you know what i mean if you care that much i feel like again it's never been as mainstream as something like spider-man you know i think a lot of people who are going to these movies just kind of want an entertaining movie um yeah so yeah, that's it's whatever, and I mean, I guess you know, going back to Phoenix, there were there are worse movies to spend you know two hours with. Actually, it wasn't even that; it was yeah. just I think it was like an hour and a half. I, I think it was yeah, a pretty. Yeah, and I will movie. say it didn't overstay. It didn't overstay its welcome to me. Like 
it didn't it didn't drag to me i guess is what i'm saying yeah i i i mean it, it dragged a little bit for me but it was it was over quick anytime i started to feel like uh, okay come on mm-hmm. come on not not too long later there was an action scene so yeah i don't know it was it was okay in that sense i guess um speaking of, i mean we kind of touched upon this earlier but i, I think it's worth kind of going back i I was actually kind of happy with some of the X-Men. Like, I was actually surprised how much um, of uh, role Nightcrawler was given. Like, how significant. He he just seemed to be one of the kind of the underrated, like, kind of solo show in a lot of those action scenes. Yeah, I was... They used him a lot. I was going to bring that up, but I didn't know where. But, yeah, I kind of all forgot that he was in Apocalypse, if we're, yeah, if exactly. we're being honest. Because they actually used him pretty well yeah. i mean you get and when he rages out and like starts like stabbing oh, and yeah at that, i was like oh this, oh this is so cool like yeah that was like the best of of the like my favorite parts of this film were those moments it's hard for me to not when i'm watching a movie like this or like going back to our us talk about how it's hard for me to not get into what would i would do if in a fight yeah. situation i'm and i'm sitting there coaching the characters who can't hear me like Nah, pick up that chair and hit him with it but you know and and watching the scenes in the train there were so many moments that were satisfying to me on that level yeah. especially with nightcrawler where i'm like oh yes good that you you get your power you've been training at yeah. the mansion you understand it <laughs> yeah, exactly. good this is what this is about yeah, like he teleports that one whatever out on like the in front of the train of perfect the train. yeah that was exactly. like oh this is awesome this is because uh, the character or even i was um sorry, no no go ahead I was going to say, even Cyclops, I was actually kind of happy with some of the power, like the way he was using his powers yeah. in this one. Um, uh, one thing I did think was like the way they just wrote out Quicksilver because he's been one of the highlights of the last mm-hmm. couple films. And they're like, well, he's too powerful and he's too cool. We got to. He really is too powerful. Get rid of him early. Right. <laughs> so I was like, well, Wait, like, I, don't I don't even know. remember. What did funny. they do to him? When they're fighting Phoenix in front of or Jean Grey in front of her house, she like trips him. Oh yeah, he's injured <laughs> he's in or something. Hospital. Yeah, that's right. Okay, and he's not even in the rest of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, how disappointing. Yeah, he really has been a highlight yeah. for this new timeline series of X Men yeah. movies. And then there's like, nope, we can't keep doing that. Mm. He's gone. Well, at the same time, like I actually okay, like his scene in uh, Days of Future Past was such a standout, and yeah. I was like they're not gonna top that and i actually think that in apocalypse the maybe because i like the song more the uh, sweet dreams but yeah. i actually think the scene where he saves everyone from the mansion exploding they, they yeah. did top the pentagon scene that is my favorite scene in apocalypse it's probably the only scene i genuinely love in that movie yeah. but um but it's it's clever also we finally got to see the mansion blow up that's a thing that happens constantly oh, yeah. in the cartoon in the <laughs> comics about you know <laughs> I don't know why I'm sitting here praising X-Men Apocalypse, but there were a couple of things like that, you yeah. know? Yeah. And maybe they just like, you know what? Why try again? We're not going to, we're not going to, yeah. we're not going to do a, a third one as good as the last two. So I don't know. I, I would hate for them to have tried and failed. It would have, it would have been very apparent watching yeah, it. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. So I don't know. That's the point, kids. Don't try it anything. Exactly. Uh, that's the first step towards failure. Um, what else i guess storm was just lightning she just said lightning bolt lightning bolt lightning bolt that was i felt like which is fine sure i would do probably the same thing i guess if i had that but it just felt like she was just i, I feel like she did some more things but i would have to go back and rewatch and i'm not going to so <laughs> okay uh who else i don't know that's oh you know what uh, i didn't have jumps around i didn't have a good place to 
say this either, but I like that we also, as a fan, I like that we saw Gen- uh, Genosha. And going, going back to uh, Magneto's, you know, he's just, yeah. it's not, it's never, it's not depicted how it's depicted any other way. It's always like this, like, yeah. rock fortress with, like, high-tech looking buildings. It's like this, it's always this, like, Cloud City-esque thing. When yeah. it, when and this this one is just like a a hippie colony and and I really <laughs> liked that I don't know why but I really really liked that version of Genosha and, because it goes back towards the idea that Magneto just wants to be left alone just just yeah. leave him alone he just let him farm just let him have his beet farm it's fine <laughs> let him live it, it with his best friend the, with the whip dre- dreadlock whip guy and yeah. he can live in a shack that's that's all he wants just let him have that. <laughs> Nope, you got to drag him out of retirement yet again like, yep. and traumatize him and bring up. And then immediately he wants to kill. Yep. Why did? Oh, yeah. I felt like also that that kind of going back to what we started the conversation with. Like those were some of the character things that I don't like. Beast really. Beast is going to go team up with Magneto to kill Jean Grey. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. But whatever. Um. Well, he's in love with Mystique, uh, yeah. so he needs revenge. Apparently. I guess. Yep. I, Beast and Revenge. That's what I think. Of. Um, I definitely imagine him turning to uh, Kelsey Grammer. That yeah. <laughs> uh, what else? I, I think that. I, think that, I mean, I don't know we're what past, else to say. we're past the hour mark, and I don't think we. Yeah. I don't. I didn't think we were going to have enough to talk about with this movie. So I'm kind of actually amazed. Though that timeline did take a little while. Yes. <laughs> um, but in general, like. Uh, yeah, it wasn't awful. It's not by far. It's by far not my least of the X Men films, um, but it was ultimately, I think, just disappointing for what is probably well, not probably what is the finale to this version of the cinematic X Men. Yeah, and again, it, it, I think if they had known it was going to be the last main series X Men, it, yeah. it would have been a bigger deal. And I think it's just yeah. like, as just a random X Men movie, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it is what it is. It, you know, it's okay. I, I don't know. Um, I hope that Disney doesn't touch this series for a while, like a good while. Yeah, I, I would like. You know, they they always do their things in phases, and it's always like mm-hmm. six movies a phase or whatever. I I don't want yeah. this to happen for at least one or two phases. Like, I don't I don't want to see X Men happen in the MCU for a while. And and when they do, I hope I want it to be enough time there where everyone's kind of forgotten the last version, and. Yeah everyone's okay with casting someone else's wolverine because if you tried to do that now yeah. people would riot um yeah. you know just give it some time figure out a logist the logistics of how you would make that make sense in the mcu and do it properly and just let it be what it is you know it, well i mean i think that as I, I don't know if some i read this somewhere or maybe just talking with friends or you guys mm-hmm. um I mean, you guys are friends too. Those are oh, thanks. But uh, <laughs> I also consider you a friend. Thank you. <laughs> Yay! You have one. Friendship's magic. Uh, is that instead of doing like an X Men film in the X- MCU, is like slowly introducing the idea of mutants in the next couple MCU films mm. without having like the X Men, and then doing one offs that are maybe like an X Men film or a, a film that is you know. Professor X or whatever. I mean, we've had so much Professor X that's not the greatest example. But you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Instead of it being immediately X-Men, start off slowly, gradually incorporating the idea of mutants in other of the films and kind of build to something where like, okay, now we're ready for, like you said, maybe a whole phase later. Right. Now we're going to do an actual X-Men. Well, you know, I have a, I, I mean, I, I think 
well, I, one of the bummers is that like they already did uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and then killed Quicksilver, yeah. and they had to pretend that <laughs> yeah. they weren't mutants. So they were mutants, but they were mutated yeah. in a laboratory, so they weren't really mutants. Yeah. But I, I actually, I, I just came up with this idea, but I actually think maybe a way they could do it is I was mentioning in the Avengers, uh, one of the Avengers podcasts that. I want to see more movies explored in the time gap between um, Captain Marvel and, you know, whatever, Iron Man, uh, or whenever yeah. Captain Marvel re-shows up again. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to see us go back to that period with younger Nick Fury, and maybe Nick Fury knows about the mutants. Like, and maybe this is yeah, something that, that was going on in the background, and it's just been kept a secret by S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever, like... Then we can go back and explore. We could even have some other characters pop up or whatever. And we could go back and explore those time periods with with a different context, knowing that mutants were around yeah. the whole time, you know? And that Yeah, I mean, even that in of itself builds in some really intriguing conflict of this idea of like shield I mean, obviously they explored this with um the Winter Soldier and the repercussions from Hydra being infiltrated, but just the idea of Shield keeping a cap on mutants. Right. Like this whole time they've known about them and they've been just stifling them and not letting it become public knowledge. That would be already like an interesting dynamic that you could just kind of seep into the existing MCU. Mm -hmm. I heard, I think uh, it might've been a friend or it might've been something I read online. Also, if it was a friend and they're listening, I'm sorry that I can't remember who it was, but (laughs) the idea that maybe after the snap, everybody who came back is like, not everybody, but uh, like some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I was resurrected and now I'm mutated somehow. Or, you know, that might be, that's kind of weird, but it might work, you know, it could, yeah. it could, it, they could make that work too. Or it could be like, um, Korra book three, just every, a whole bunch of I d- deleted the whole series from my memory. Um, <laughs> well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. The world just needs airbenders. So the airbenders just, yes. And by the world, I mean the plot, um, so airbenders just wake up one day and they're airbenders. <laughs> yep. Okay, yeah, that's fine. They can do that too. Let's just have mutants in the next phase of the MCU and we'll just pretend like they were always around and no <laughs> just everyone talks as if like This yeah, has been part of our society the whole time. Here. Never acknowledged, whatever. <laughs> you know what? You know what? They they had end they had endgame. At this point we have what what did we say? Twenty two yeah, like movies. They can screw this series up if is, they want. Yeah, exactly. They do whatever they want with it now. They build up this credibility. Just whatever. Just just take a couple of movies off. Just like phone it in and don't care <laughs> exactly. anymore. Exactly. Just like this movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Well, that's our discussion of X-Men Dark Phoenix. Um, what did you guys think of X-Men Dark Phoenix? How does it rank in your um, list of X-Men cinematic uh, please endeavors. email us a very thoroughly written thought out detailed yes. organized list of your rankings of all the x-men movies also put deadpool in there because we were too much of a coward to do it yes okay um and also if you have a visualization of our perfect timeline please feel free to create that and send it to us or just well. go to google image search search x-men fan timeline download whatever the first thing you find and send it to us and pretend that you made it <laughs> we'll give you credit. all right Okay. Speaking of giving you credit, we're still waiting for one more email. Was it one more? I thought it was two more. We're at, we've had Uh, four, we've received four emails. All right. I'm changing the requirement to six. Six six more. Super (laughs) obsessed. 
We're moving the goalposts, everyone. No, we're sticking with five, but we have yet to receive five. So Perfect. who knows? Maybe maybe we'll just never get it, and it won't matter. Yep. Maybe no one's listening, and none of this matters. <laughs> and by maybe, I mean definitely. All right, let's take it home. This has been, what episode is this? <laughs> episode 39. 39. 39 of After the Credits of Young Chunks Podcast. This has been Matt Chewy and Sean Davis. Uh, if you like what you hear and you want to hear us somewhere else, we are on uh, Podiums. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, a whole bunch of other ones. If you want to contact us, uh, leave a comment comment on any of those that have comment sections or email us at yumchunks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. If you have a counterpoint to anything we've said, if you disagree with anything, say it. and We'll uh, we'll read it on air and tell you why we think you're right or wrong. Probably right, because we're not very smart. So, there you go. That's that. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got, Sean? How do we end? How do we end uh, in this? See ya, bub. <laughs> Bamf. Hey, Mona Snick. me. Snicked. Um, <laughs> what was that? That's that was Blob. <laughs> yeah. He's he was um, he was poor. He was very underrepresented in the series. Yes. One way more Blob. Uh, um. Make it so, number one. No good. All right. Bye, everyone. (laughs) This has been After the Credits, a Young Chunks podcast.